Dotnet Rocks episode 825 with guest Mark Dunn. Recorded live Thursday, November 8th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Hey, Jacksonville, it's .NET Rocks! You know, those people at the Amway convention next door were going, what the hell's going on over there? <laughs> we are so happy to be here in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah! <laughs> Mark Dunn is here. Yeah! Oh my God, there's a million people in this it's room. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so we're at the uh, a loft. Uh, hotel in downtown Jacksonville and having a good time here on the road trip. Yeah. Our last stop in Florida. We're now, now we're heading out. The biggest crowd we've had in Florida. Oh, yeah. And, and certainly the loudest, too. Definitely the loudest. <laughs> and it's time to get started with Better Know Framework. All right, what do you got, buddy? All right, well, as you may or may not know, the Visual Studio Productivity Power Tools came out uh, for 2012 today. Nice. So if you go to VS Power Tools 2012, you will see the Productivity Power Tools 2012 blog. They just came out today. So if you don't know what this is, uh, some of the developers on the studio team had these little pet projects that they like to throw in after the fact. So they couldn't go in the box, so they made this... uh, uh, set of tools. And in the previous uh, set, in 2010, we had an enhanced scroll bar, fixed uh, fixed mixed tabs, automatic brace completion, uh, move line up and down commands, uh, colorized parameter help, and things like that. So new in this release, we get color printing. Ooh. Yeah, oh. good. Yep. And power commands extension. And also a new extension, quick tasks. They use this quick launch to instantly perform common tasks, and they identified a number of popular tasks in Visual Studio, such as collapsing and expanding regions, toggling line numbers, and changing font size, made them available in the quick launch window when typing at tasks as a prefix. So it's really cool. Just these little nice extras for Visual Studio. Awesome. Know it, learn it, love it. Just came out today, November 7th. So who's talking to us, Mr. Campbell? I grabbed a comment off of show 784, and that's the one we did in Uncle Bob back in NDC. Oh, man. About the future of object orientation, which sounds really harmless, but, you know, we really went after the whole multi-core, functional programming, that whole conversation. Now, was that the last year or the year before? Uh, I think that was was just this past year. Yeah, we got a lot of of comments on that one. Yeah, we sure did. You know, know, it's an interesting gauge of a a topic that we get a lot of comments, and we've sent out a lot of mugs around those comments, too. Absolutely. But listen to this one from Phil who says, I disagree with some of the ideas Martin mentioned here. He mentions that you should learn a new programming language every year. Well, that is fine if you want to learn how to build Hello World 
world apps. You can also keep current with some of the trends and put yourself in a situation where you can learn a particular language easier to a complete newbie. However, it is not possible to be productive in a language in a year. Look at how complicated ASP.NET, Java, and other languages are. It can take years to learn the tricks and get good. Learning Hello World buys you little. Rocky Locke has paid full time to learn and teach about .NET, and he has a hard time doing it. Actually, yeah. Bill, that's not true. Uh, you know, Rocky is a CTO, and while he certainly works inside of his company, he writes a fair bit of software as well, and he's maintaining a library. He does a lot of different things. Uh, he has this, but he, he's one thing he hasn't done is done a lot of different languages. He mm. focuses primarily on C sharp. And yes, I would also say right. that you know ASP.NET not really a language. You know it's a development space. It uses a bunch of different languages. So you know there's different things there. You you know you can learn how to do Hello World in a few days. You spend a year on something, you should get pretty good. It depends on how quickly you build projects too. Right. I would say in a year, you if you're doing a major app, you might only get through one iteration of that app. But it depends right. on the app. And these days, we're iterating a lot faster. Mm -hmm. But he's not done. He says, another point I beg to differ on is when he said, rather than add more features to C Sharp, they should really create new languages. What? Isn't there enough programming languages already? Rather than add to the overabundance of languages, I say it is best to expand the paradigms of a few languages. C Sharp started as an object-oriented language. Now it is a template language using generics, a dynamic language using the dynamic keyword, a functional language, and more paradigms are bound to be added. So the needed features are available in one nice package rather than one or many diverse different languages and platforms. Hmm. Chasing all these just to get a needed paradigm takes away from the core task of developers getting things done quickly and efficiently. I would agree with you in principle, but there are some th I've learned from talking to people about all these other languages that there are some things that just cannot be done uh, with the current language because of the way they fundamentally are, right. because of their types, mm -hmm. because of fundamental things. Yeah. And so when, a big thing for me was when we were talking to Alex Robson about Erlang. Yeah. He was talking about pattern matching, how you, how you can see a stream of data just coming through and it will match patterns and, and create a type. You, like you don't have to write the code to parse the data and to look for things. It just matches a pattern. And that is an extremely powerful thing that's built right in at a core level. It's a paradigm difference. It that works take differently. Hun you know, hundreds of lines of C-sharp code sure. to try to do the same thing. Yeah, I agree with you there. It's yeah. not done yet. All right. Uh, do not get me wrong. It is great to be exposed to different ways of thinking. So I understand where the learn a new language idea comes from. But geez, developers are getting paid to get things done quickly and effectively. It is okay not to have an optimum solution, which can sometimes be obtained using different languages and platforms, as long as the job gets done, which can be easier to maintain when you use a single or few languages and a single platform. Mastering a few tools and having these few tools consist of a lot of different programming paradigms helps. Learning a lot of different quirks in many languages, never mastering anything, and having an application with a soup of vastly diverse technologies that are not made to work together can make life hard. Mm. I think Martin is a smart guy, and I'm a hardcore fan of his solid principle. However, I do think Spolsky and Atwood were right to the small extent that they implied that he does not code a lot of modern enterprise systems. Phil, going to disagree with you some more, I think. You know, it's not just about the apps you build during your day job. This is about you maintaining your career and bringing the best skills you can to each project you work on. And part of that is exploring these other paradigms. If you just stick mm. with what you know, you know, you get into that hammer syndrome. You learn that hammer really well and you're going to make everything a nail. Sometimes you need a pair of pliers. And uh, by learning the way that these other languages do things, you you code you in your own 
comfortable language much differently, mm -hmm. typically. We only really case. started seeing functional styles of programming in C-sharp after F-sharp came along. Right. And that influence started showing up. Mm. And C-sharp was always able to do that. It's right. not like it was a new feature. It just wasn't a way of thinking. Right. But either okay. way... Yeah, I don't have to agree with you to, to right. send you a mug. Phil, I appreciate your comment. I Absolutely. thought there was a lot of thought there. Other than it being wrong, it was awesome. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cheesing. We'll send you two mugs. Nice. Oh, I'm going to send you a mug. And if you'd like a mug, all you got to do is write a comment on the site at dotnetrocks.com. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight offers comprehensive developer training online. They have over 300 uh, courses uh, written by industry experts and people such as appear on this show. And you can get a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access to their vast library, which includes coverage of Android, Java, iOS, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, everything and anything on the Microsoft stack, including Windows 8 and all that goes with it. So sign up today. Subscriptions start at just $29 a month, Pluralsight.com. Now, uh, before we introduce Mark, I need to tell you that tonight's food, tonight's dinner, was supplied by Aprenda. And let's give them a great big round of applause. I'm afraid they can't shut the door any tighter. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, well, so Aprenda offers platform as a service. So when you think of the cloud, the, the layer of hardware that uh, Azure uh, supplies, for example, could be thought of infrastructure as a service. And then when you start adding APIs and, and developer features on top of that, now you're getting platform as a service. And so, you know, if you have an application that you sell, you might have software as a service. So you have all these service-based layers, and Aprenda does the platform as a service thing. So they, whether you're using Azure or you're using your own hardware, um, they will provide you the tools to do cloud-based development uh, and then you can move that up to Azure if you want to at a later time. But they make the whole process painless for you. And they want you to go to apprendacloud.com, which is free. You can experience the power to develop and manage next generation enterprise cloud apps. Uh, it's built for developers. You can deploy and manage APIs, web apps, mobile apps, and more. It's free and it's open 24-7. Uh, just sign up with your name and email, apprendacloud.com. And with that, let me introduce my good friend and the first co-host of .NET Rocks, Mark Dunn. Hey, Carl. Mark came out to see us in Atlanta, where he is from, and uh, we had a good time there at the Atlanta stop. Maybe too good. Maybe too much of a good time, but uh, boy. It's yeah, there were a couple of dead soldiers when I got back to the RV the next morning. Yeah. Well, it's just so good to, to see you again and to, to hang out with uh, and run in. We run into you from time to time. And, uh, you know, when you left uh, the show to do your training gig with your little friends, uh, what was it? Done training? Yeah, done training. And it turned out to be a huge success for you. And uh, then you went on to do consulting as well. And right. uh, we're very successful in that. So, you know, a thing or two about. Uh, .NET. We've we started together and right. .NET one oh. We used to, uh, used to do training classes together and uh, right. yeah. Actually, I think when we started the show, one of the ideas was to sort of advertise our training classes. Yeah, sort it's of. sort of. It's, I mean, it's it, it is the ad in the first you know couple yeah. of shows. Yeah, yeah. We certainly. I I can't 
yeah, I can't deny that we probably got a lot of business out of that. But uh, certainly the, the impetus for the show was these conversations that we had with, you know, there was so much to learn about .NET because it was so vast. And you talk about overwhelmed now with Windows 8. I mean, we were overwhelmed. We didn't know what a virtual machine was, you know. We were VB6 programmers at the time. That's and right. uh, we only knew about Java a little bit from what we heard on the outskirts. But then diving into it full-fledged and what is garbage collection all about and, you know, what do you mean I don't have, uh, you know, it seemed interesting to us at the time because as VB programmers, we had a lot of those same features. Right. It actually amazes me where the show has evolved because uh, yeah. we, we had the conversation when we started it that maybe we'll be lucky if we get five or ten That's of our right. friends to listen to this. That's right. <laughs> Was that line you used with Pat Hines on the first show? Just my grandmother's going to yeah, listen to this? you, me, and my grandmother. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it turned out to be the right thing at the right time. So w what I'm saying is we have perspective of being back there at the beginning and witnessing all of this growth and all of this change in technology and in um, architecture and in patterns and in uh, practices and methodologies. So, uh, you know, we, we have that sort of perspective. Right, absolutely. Yeah, at one point I think you could have been sort of a renaissance man on the Microsoft platform, and I, I felt that way when I knew VB and I knew ASP. Yeah. Not .NET, you know, back way before then. Yeah. Uh, and I knew C++. So I could do MFC programming. I did sure. ActiveX controls. And uh, it felt like I'd mastered the Microsoft developer platform because right. I knew SQL Server and uh, I could even, you know, manage global groups in the operating system. Right. Wow. Yeah, I was Richard's territory. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but today it's uh, almost impossible to do that. You really have to specialize right. in, uh, in an area just about because it, there's, there's a lot of information there. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik, makers of Kendo UI. Are you a web or mobile developer who wants to build amazing sites and apps? Looking for the best tool out there that can really improve your development work? We've got the answer for you. Kendo UI is everything you need to build HTML5 and JavaScript sites and mobile apps. In the complete integrated package, you'll find a jQuery-based tool set that includes rich UI widgets, a powerful data source, dynamic data visualizations, and blazing fast micro-templates, all backed by industry-leading professional support. Visit the official Kendo UI website at kendoui.com slash .net, that's D-O-T-N-E-T, to find out more about Kendo UI or download the free 60-day trial with support. Also, Tablet Show number 19 was an interview with Todd Anglin on the Kendo UI. Richard and I talked to him at length about this great tool set. That's at thetabletshow.com. And look for show number 19 in the archives. And when you talk to the Telerik guys, make sure you thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So what do you think of the, the latest change, you know, being Windows 8 and the Windows Store app and, uh, you know, the, the Surface and all that? Oh, of course, I'm very excited about it, right? So, uh, yeah. you know, it, it creates a big opportunity for training in the future. Uh, a lot of our clients are government Clients, so right. uh, I don't really see them uh, developing uh, Windows 8 apps. So are they still any, on Windows XP? Soon, Windows XP mostly, or a lot of them run, run XP. Uh, mm -hmm. Many of them have moved up to seven. Yeah. And uh, I, I would say my average uh, student is running Visual Studio 2008. Mm -hmm. uh, I, we've been talking about it. Most of them are going to skip 
2010 yep. and go directly to 2012. So, so kind of a big leap there. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I have a, your standard bread and butter sort of classes that we teach, you know, C-sharp, VB. Uh, still a lot of Visual Basic developers. Uh, wow. And, 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 and at least you're talking about VB.net. VB.net. Right. VB.net. Yes, right. VB. Are they still doing WinForm clients? Is that what they're building? Uh, no, mostly mostly their web applications. Yeah, but that's what yeah. I think. A lot of web apps. <clears throat> but, you know, I still see them building uh, XML web services, which, you know, I noticed you had. Yeah, and yeah. Asimax up there. Absolutely. It works, man. Asimax is, is something that works. It's easy. Uh, so they really haven't, I, I haven't seen them, uh, jumping on WCF quite yet. Right. But that, that's all going to happen. Uh, I, you know, usually they're about a year behind, uh, yeah. you know, your average corporate developer in adoption. So wouldn't they go right to a web API or something like that and avoid WCF altogether if they're just uh, doing They might. They REST, might. I mean, I, I definitely talk about WCF a lot. Yeah. And whenever I teach uh, ASP.NET classes, I, I show how you write both types of, of mm-hmm. services. Mm-hmm. And I talk about the flexibility, but, you know, the configuration's a little more effort. Sure, yeah. Uh, and then I tell them, wow, aren't you glad you didn't do .NET remoting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, WCF is six years old now. It's not That's right. new technology. It's not, it's not new technology. Although, admittedly, in, in that time span, it's gone through some massive undulations. Like the, each of those mm-hmm. versions were radical shifts for it. Right. Well, and I, I wonder about WPF too because I, I haven't seen you know any of the state agencies writing WPF apps. WPF. Uh, yeah. WPF. No, not sure. Yeah. But it, and it does feel like with Windows Eight, the XAML stack is finally consolidating. Right. XAML is headed to the to the innards of the operating system, and that's a good thing. Right. But it's going to mean that the things are going to move a little more steady, and XAML will be everywhere. Right. Uh, who knows what's else going to happen with it, but it's, this is going in the direction. Right. And we had, we had started teaching Silverlight uh, at the state agency level. And, uh, you know, of course, then everyone was like, oh, no, it's dead. But right. uh, really, it's not. I, I have this discussion all the time. If you invested in learning Silverlight and learning XAML, uh, you're a long way to developing applications like Carl showed you earlier tonight. Sure. And, I mean, uh, you can you, do those kinds of applications in Silverlight, just not with the same kind of UI controls. Exactly. But, yeah. Exactly. So you're not, you're not throwing away skill uh, when you do that. No, and I would, I would argue that, you know, Silverlight is sort of like the new Windows forms. You know, it's sort yes. of getting that way. I mean, yes, everything that we didn't like about deploying Windows Forms applications, we love about deploying Silverlight applications. Yes, absolutely. And the 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 one agency that uh, took a Silverlight training class from me, they were uh, going going to develop a desktop Silverlight app. Yeah. Uh, you know that that met the need. And in, and in an internal environments where you have control over the Silverlight deployment scenarios, why wouldn't you use it? It's a really rich development space. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It doesn't look like it's ever going to get another version. Although I mean, the native extension showed up. Like, yeah, there's bits and pieces yeah. still being added to Silverlight. Right. So um, I wanted to give you guys an update on some of the stats that have, are coming out of uh, sales and adoption and all this stuff of Windows 8 because this is really interesting. It's all happening now. I just read in the news that. 13,000 apps in the Microsoft Store now. There were just over eight, or just under 8,000 when. Uh, when it shipped. When it shipped. So they've added 5,000 apps in just a couple of 13, weeks. 13,000 apps. And we were uh, just in the Orlando store, uh, Microsoft store, which is where I got the my WinRT tablet, and we thought it was crowded. And the guy says, oh, this is nothing. You should have seen it two hours ago. <laughs> yeah. It was mobbed. Like they're flying off the shelves in the stores. I also um, found this 
study, and this is an article that I'll post the link to on Softpedia, but I don't know if they are just repackaging this content or where it came from, but I will find out. Anyway, the, uh, the article says Windows 8 crashes 55% less than Windows 7. How do you get that number? I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know what their science is. And I, it's a report released by Saluto. I don't know who they are either. That claims Windows 8 crashes 55% uh, less than Windows 7. Consumers included in the study find Windows 8 84% less frustrating than Windows 7. And again, how do you measure that? Yeah, what That's, is that number exactly? What is that number? I Why don't know. Why is it 84%? 84% less frustrating. It's funny. Um, while it's a little too early to talk about adoption figures, it appears their latest Windows contraption is currently installed on 1.5% of the world's computer population. 36.9% of them are obviously desktop systems, while 57.4% goes to laptops. Only 5.6% running Windows 8 are tablets. And according to the same report, only 1.3% uh, in the U.S. of these computers have already deployed Windows 8. Europeans are much more attracted by the new operating system as 3.2% of Hungarian consumers already use it. Surprisingly, Vietnam has the biggest Windows 8 adoption rate, with 3.8% of the local users already making the move to this OS version. Almost sounds like an Onion article. but <laughs> <laughs> It reminds me of a Facebook picture that someone sent me recently, and it had a quote that said, you know, you can't believe everything you read on the internet, and the quote was attributed to Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> That's right. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, here's another story. Windows 8 is hard to use while drunk. Video. So, so anyway, we'll see if those numbers actually flesh out. But I know that uh, the fact of the 13,000 apps in the store is true, and that uh, apparently they're flying off the shelves in Orlando is also true. So I think it's I think it's interesting that uh, not only that, but you're you're seeing more and more news about Microsoft being cool suddenly and uh, mm -hmm. and and original in Windows 8, and people are digging it. So yeah, yeah, I told you I'm going to make that one of my Christmas presents for uh, for family. Uh, I'm yeah. going to get probably two or three surfaces before the end of the year. And, but that's uh, the Christmas present that gives back to you. Uh, yes, yeah. right. just because be. you can only get so much trouble with an RT device because they just can't. It's so much harder to get malware onto that yep. machine. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's just a different vector because you don't run any plugins anymore. Yeah, that may, that the whole you know IE vector is gone. They can't just install anything they want. You can't stick a USB key in it and install an app that way. All the things that normally ruin a machine, they're taken away in WinRT. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good for us. Good for us. Keep your keep your yeah. family out of trouble. Well, and, you know, being a computer guy, you always become the de facto support for your extended family. What else family. would we do at Christmas? <laughs> exactly. You know, I update my virus disk and put together my toolkit as every house I'm going to go to. They're going to, hey, have you got a minute? Could you just take a look at? No, I will not fix your printer. Right. So, Mark, do you still teach classes? I mean, you know, you started this company and you did a lot of training, but are well, you still I, teaching? Well, I do. I mean, uh, our, our company's smaller now. I mean, we at one point had 52 employees and uh, nice. we, we did major multi-million dollar consulting projects. Mm -hmm. Then the economy slowed down for some reason yeah, I heard about 2008. That. And, Weird. Uh, and it, it shrunk quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so I, I stopped doing consulting after a while just because of the risk. Right. And uh, I training is a nice, clean business. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I've never had an unsatisfied customer from a training class ever yeah. in 10 years. Yeah. Uh, so uh, to make it easier on me, 
Uh, I shrunk the company down to about 12 people, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we teach all over the country. Wow. So that's great. And what is your – tell me some stories from uh, from your training classes because I love oh, right, to hear right. these. Oh, right, right. Yeah, there's, there's always a story, right? <laughs> so uh, so I've got a good one for you. So I'll, I'll try to keep this clean, okay? So uh, yeah, This will go well. This will go well, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, so interestingly enough, a few months ago, I was teaching a class and, uh, MVC class, model view controller. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've, I've had a student that's been in, in a couple of classes and, uh, he, he was from an area in South Alabama. And it turns out he was a fundamentalist lay preacher. Have any of you are familiar with that term? Uh, lay a, lay, pre- a lay preacher means he didn't go to seminary, but, uh, you know, he, he preaches, you know, uh, at a church every Sunday. And so do, uh, how do you my, get this job? So I, I, to be a lay preacher, you just start. I think you're a lay preacher, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't tend to preach in a church, but I have performed a couple of wedding ceremonies. Yeah. But I have a form on the Internet I filled in for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't have to fill a form out. Apparently. He just started. He got the call, and he started right. preaching. Yes. Okay. He got, yeah, Jesus called him. So okay. uh, at any rate. So, uh, is that so long this, distance? yeah, it was. Okay. So, at any rate, this story gets interesting, and it, and generally, I have a few rules in my classes. Like we, during class time, we don't talk about politics and we don't talk about religion mm-hmm. uh, because you know those, those tend to be subjects that you know people can sometimes get inflamed about. Yeah, yes. we're funny so, that uh, way. Yeah, funny. So, uh, so I had told the guy because he would often ask a question, and somehow the question got around to. Well, I covered something in my sermon last Sunday, and uh, mm. you know he, he would bring in the fact that you know he was he was got preaching. It. So, uh, and that that's okay. I mean, I you know I let I let that go. So, uh, you know, we got around to to the end of the class uh, on Friday, and uh, I you know I always tell people you know if you want to take any of the code, it's yours. Just zip it up and. Uh, you know, bring a flash drive or USB disk or something. You can just copy it and put it, put it wherever you want. Right. So the training center that we were at has speakers on all their computers, right? And uh, and they're on. I mean, you you hear you know the bells ring or whatever when they're using Windows. And uh, luckily for the guy, this was on Friday afternoon, <laughs> right? So he comes in with a a USB hard drive, an external drive. And I, I'm still doing some of my lecture, but, uh, you know, I told him, you know, zip the stuff up and just copy it to a drive. So he plugs the drive in. <laughs> and uh, there's going to be a valuable lesson for you to learn here. So uh, the next thing that I would say is that the state of Alabama frowns on sodomy. Nice. But uh, he a movie started to play automatically, automatically because he had left a a pornographic movie on the root of his USB drive, and uh, I, I don't know if you know, but if you wait long enough, auto auto play starts. So you know, you heard. I, I can't even describe. Right. What, I, I won't describe what we heard. <laughs> and uh, I've never seen somebody with a more deer in the headlights look in my entire life <laughs> because he didn't know what to do. I mean, you could have turned the speakers off. But that would have helped. He was rapidly trying to unplug the USB drive, and the two students on either side of him were actually so leaned in a little. They were leaning in, digging the action. I couldn't see it. Uh, really didn't want to see it. Oh my god! But, uh, but That's yeah, funny you know, uh, and. He was he was pretty embarrassed about that. So 
uh, I didn't know what to say. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I stopped, and all of us, everybody was really silent for a minute. <laughs> and, uh, a quiet came over the classroom. <laughs> Finally, I said, well, I said, Greg knows how to put the fun back into fundamentalism. <laughs> he, uh, he quietly took his hard drive and left almost immediately. So I don't know if I'm ever going to see him in a class again. But, oh, my God. Uh, yep. Why do all the crazy things happen in your classes? I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It, so what's that, your, that was the most fun thing. Other well, other than supporting my family with Windows 8, uh, that was yeah. interesting uh, because one of my cousin's friends calls me right, and it's not just my family; it has to be friends of family. Right. So, uh, so my cousin works at at Best Buy, and he's part of something called the Geek Squad there. Oh yeah, right. So. Uh, he, this guy calls me and he's like, hey, you know, I'm a friend of Pete's boy. And he didn't even call him his name. Pete's my uncle. <laughs> and uh, he goes, you know, I'm having trouble here with Winders 8. He's from South Alabama as well. Winders. <laughs> we love South Alabama. Please yeah. don't send us emails, yeah, Mr. Mayor. Us, don't send us emails. But uh, um, at any rate, though, he said, you know, uh, I know Pete's boy there is a member of the Genius Squad down there at Best Buy. <laughs> and, uh, he can't help me with the problem I'm having, you know, with Windows 8. And I was like, okay. I said, I've installed it a few times. Let me see if I can help you with this. And uh, I said, well, what sort of, what seems to be the problem? He said, well, it won't take my key. I said, okay. I said, well, uh, you know, are you sure you're typing it in? It's not case sensitive, right? You just type the key in. And I said, well, uh, you know, where did, did you get the, you know, the key from the package? And uh, he was like, well, it, it's from, it's from keygen.exe. Oh. I said, uh, I said, you know how closely I work with Microsoft, right? Uh, this conversation is over. Uh, <laughs> but true story, absolutely. Wow, call, that's call amazing. For Windows, yeah, because he couldn't get the, uh, the illegally key. the pirated key generator <laughs> yeah. to work with uh, with Windows. And I said, well, you know, you could take that down to the Genius Squad there at be uh, see how Best Buy and see how that goes. That's I'm sure go they'll real well. Yeah. Uh, so better yet, call for support for Microsoft. Here's, a, yeah, exactly. here's the 800 number. Right. Make sure you give them your name and address. Absolutely give them your name and address. Well, Richard, you know what time it is. Oh, it must be that happy time again. It's time to give away a, a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to a lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And you're all members, right? Yeah! Today's winner is Peter Zolja. And he is from Georgia. He's actually from Stockbridge, Georgia. Wow. Big round of applause for Peter. Awesome. No golf claps today. No golf claps. And uh, Peter, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're, we give away stuff every show. And you can just go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, and sign up for the fan club. Uh, every December, we're going to be giving away $5,000 worth of technology. Mm -hmm. And uh, we like to ask our, our, our guests, what would you buy with $5,000 if you had that to spend on gadgets, Mr. Dunn? Gosh, it'd probably be hard to spend $5,000 on a computer today, but... Well, uh, I guess. You have to be yeah. creative. Yeah, as a guest, you have to be creative. I mean, I like Alienware machines. I'd yeah. probably... You could load I'd, I'd probably deck out an Alienware machine. And uh, and actually, we were talking earlier, uh, Richard actually recommended a few years ago 
Uh, I bought a Dell machine that was a precision workstation. Yep. I forget what the number is, but mm-hmm. uh, actually spent $4,800 on that beast. It's like and, the 6600 uh, series, fully yeah. loaded with all Full, SSDs. Fully loaded, and yeah. it, still, it still runs great today. It runs everything very fast today. Yeah, it's a beast of a machine. Wow. So it was a good investment. You know, if I can get five years out of a machine, I'm happy with it. Yeah, pretty cool. Five thousand dollars. Right. So if I, you can still buy, spend five grand on a laptop. You have well, to look carefully. And and you know, it reminds me the first the first computer I ever bought was in uh, 1983, I believe, or maybe 84, uh, when the IBM AT came out. Mm, uh, yeah. Uh, Two eighty six. Uh, yes. That the was a nice monster. It was monster. Guess how much I spent on that. I'm going to say like 10. Not 10. No. No. 8. Uh, 5,200. Yeah. 5,200. And it had a 20 megabyte, not gigabyte. Megabyte. A 20 megabyte hard drive in it with one meg of RAM. Wow. And I didn't know what I was going to do with all that space. <laughs> <laughs> it ran Lotus 1, 2, 3. I remember the first time I fired up a 286 and ran Lotus 1, 2, 3, and it was so fast. Yeah. It was just staggered. It's like, what are we going to do now? Exactly. Well, everything is instant. Well, and before we get off the topic, Peter also wanted me to mention that he is the author of Business Logic Toolkit for .NET, which is on GitHub. And uh, you can go to bltoolkit.net, kind of what Rocky's uh, uh, library does. He oh, yeah. does aspects, component model, uh, data access, editable objects, mapping, reflection, nice. type builder. So he's got this little toolkit. Go check it out. He's a fan. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. Surfing the web? Yeah, you ever try to surf the web on your phone? It's a little small. Especially when you're looking at a big list like the new feature list for Active Report 6. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we've been using it for 15 years. You know, the coolest new feature, I think, is the new Silverlight Report Viewer. What's cool about it, of course, is it's both native Silverlight for printing, but it's also got PDF support, so that really minimizes the amount of data that has to come over the wire. Makes it a lot more efficient. Well, we've been looking for a good solution for Silverlight data viewing. Yeah, it's a great product. I I think I'm going to order it. Not on that. No, not on here. I'll go to my desk first. Active reports from Component One. Smarter components for smarter developers. So what have you been doing with MVC besides teaching it? Well, uh, I've done some consulting work with it. One of my favorite students is uh, is a guy that works for a, a university, a small university, uh, called Amridge University. And uh, I, I say he's one of my favorite students because he really didn't know programming when he first came to one of my classes. Wow. Uh, oh, been six years ago. Hmm. Wow. And uh, probably he comes to a couple of classes a year. And, uh, you know, the guy learned programming from the ground up. Right. And, uh, and you've got the, to see the whole thing. I got to see the whole thing, exactly. And I've done consulting work for his university all that time. Mm. Uh, so we, we have a, a retainer with them every month. So if he wow. has a question, he calls me. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll uh, within 24 hours, I usually help him solve whatever he's doing. Wow, that's great. Uh, so at any rate, he, uh, he called me at just the right time because when MVC4 first came out, uh, he called me up and said, hey, I want to develop a, a phone app. I need a phone app hmm. because, you know, people are browsing to our, our site. Sure. And the pages are not friendly uh, for the viewport size yep. of the phone. And I said, well, you know, guess what? You're in luck because MVC4 makes that very easy. Hmm. Right. Uh, and I had already taught him MVC. And uh, if you can't tell from me talking about it, I'm a big, big fan of model view controller. I like the pattern. It's it's a wonderful way to do web development. And I, I try to get classic ASP.NET developers as much as possible 
if they haven't tried it, just give it a try. Yeah. It's a different way of thinking. Uh, you, you, you know, we're not going to wind up using your server controls that you're used to, but, right. uh, once you get used to MVC, uh, that's the way to do it. Yeah. And what is it in MVC for that makes it good for mobile? Well, what makes it good for mobile is they made it very easy, uh, for you to change, uh, or to develop views mm-hmm. that were optimized for a phone. So a basically device. a smaller, narrower screen. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And if you're, if you're familiar with the way MVC works, uh, when a request comes in, uh, you have a route definition, and based on the URL pattern that mm-hmm. it matches, yep. it'll wind up routing uh, to a view, uh, what's known as a view. So you don't have your you know, .aspx page. You'll have something like a .cshtml, and that's your view. And you, you know, you wind up building, uh, you know, your page. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what you can do is you can take the name of a page. I literally just copy them as a starting point when I want to do something for a mobile app. Uh, but if I have something called index.cshtml, I'll make a copy of it and rename it to index.mobile.cshtml. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And when a mobile request comes in for that index page, it'll route it. Automatically, to the mobile, because automatically of the to the mobile based on the name. And, and yeah. what are you checking on to decide it's mobile? Uh, it picks that up based on probably the user agent string okay. uh, and the request right. when it comes in. Mm. And to take that a little bit further, uh, something else cool that you can do with it mm-hmm. is, uh, and I'm sure you guys are going to be talking to you know Phil Hack and some other guys sure. at, at some point. Phil, uh, Phil was like the master of MVC for yep. a long time at Microsoft. Uh, but you can also set up uh, custom pages for different devices, mm-hmm. and, I'm thinking uh, and right you can away drive that. They, any of the Retina Display iPhones, where you want to use higher resolution graphics, because right. absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can uh, you can use a uh, a tag in HTML5. It's literally called the viewport tag, hmm. and uh, and you can set up uh, you know the width uh, that mm-hmm. you want for that particular display. And you can pick up the user agent string whenever the request comes in, mm-hmm. uh, and you simply load those up uh, in the global ASA, uh, ASAX file mm-hmm. uh, in your application start event. So in the MVC pattern, the view is obviously the, the UI portion of That's that. That's the UI portion. And since you don't have those controls that are, you know, the draggy, droppy, VB-like controls that we have in web forms, are you mostly constructing JavaScript uh, UI yourself, or are you using widgets and predefined components? Well, you actually have these things called HTML helpers, yep. and uh, the HTML helpers uh, uh, sort of do your action links, that sort of thing. Right. You want to put a link in. And uh, what's really cool about using a helper to do that is you don't have to go rewrite your uh, your URLs if you change the route. Yep. Right? And that's a big deal, because you can go in and customize what that route looks like, and uh, and make it you know behave the way you want, and your links will all respond yeah. uh, to the fact that that you've redefined the route. Right. So I I, I don't see any downsides to MVC. I yeah. just think it's a and you know one of the technology. evils of web forms is using the data grid for everything. You know, and right? Because it's so easy to drag and drop. And but before you know it, I mean, if you ever look at the code that that thing generates and all the view state that goes along with it, it's just really because everybody wants a three megabyte web page, right? And that's really the problem with with yeah, that uh, that's view right. state. And, yeah. and of course, you can turn off view state. You can, sure. but, but people don't do that, right? right. Because 
the rapid application development aspects of dropping a server control and uh, yeah. and drawing the interface very quickly, like you would in a in a Windows app. Right. Uh, they they never learn, you know, right. to to tweak it. Sure. Um, I teach them that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you go so far as to go into <clears throat> stuff like jQuery? Uh, yes, absolutely. So, uh, so definitely if you haven't used jQuery, you want to take a look at jQuery. It takes a lot of the pain away from writing JavaScript. Right. And, uh, the jQuery UI tools, uh, are, are very impressive as mm -hmm. well. All of that's free. Uh, you just go to jQuery.com and, uh, you, you'll find it. Uh, they even have jQuery, uh, UI uh, widgets for, right. for mobile. Now. Yeah, it's a mobile set. And the now you've got Knockout and jQuery in the template, in the MVC template in Studio 12. So, you know, all the, so you have binding with Knockout right. and you have all the great JavaScript simplification of jQuery. So making asynchronous calls using web API. I mean, this is sort of the pattern that, uh, right. that we're, we're using now. Yeah, and once you get into apps. once you get into MVC and you you know you like the way the uh, the action link helpers work, mm. uh, doing AJAX with MVC is incredibly easy. Yep, uh, because their their AJAX helper controls is just a couple. You know, it's right. not not complicated. I used to teach a three day class on AJAX, mm. and uh, it's more like two and a half hours now. No. Yeah. Uh, with MVC to, to teach someone AJAX to use it. into web forms was hard. Yes. Well, not it's hard. Hard. It, was it hard. can be easy, but it produces just <clears throat> nasty ugly, stuff. Ugly well, yeah, if you're just going to throw an update panel yeah, on there like and it can you know, do easy. it through the update panel, that was, you know. Just say no. But just don't just view, say no. That was, that <laughs> just was don't view bad. source, yeah. you know, right. without a doggy bag. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, if you yeah, if you really want to fear update panel, don't look at the source. Look at the fiddler stream. Oh, yes, yeah, absolutely. even oh, worse. Nasty. Even worse. Yeah. yeah, what a great tool too. Fiddler is awesome. Uh, when you start doing mobile development, uh, you know, you can go in and set the user agent string through the browser. You can do that through Chrome, Fox, Firefox, uh, IE, and uh, yeah. and you know, it's easy enough to test that. You can use Fiddler to help debug. And Fiddler, for those who don't know, lets you see the stream of data coming yes. in and out of your browser over a socket connection. Absolutely. In, in all its horrible view state mm -hmm. glory. Yeah. Yeah, but we, uh, we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, teaching in, uh, in Alabama some. Uh, we did a launch event specifically for the state of Alabama mm -hmm. uh, on Windows 8. And wow. very very similar demo to what you, you did earlier. Yeah. Uh, we, we did some mobile demos as well. Great. And uh, that, that seemed to go over very well. I know that got the developers there very excited. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and what you saw Carl say, you know, you can build it, you can learn it. Yes, absolutely. It's not that hard. No. Right? Just have to dive in and do it. It's just the next thing. And you can start from a, a simple blank app just like I did with Azimex services and you know the tools that you that you know and love right and like most things with microsoft you'll find that uh that your your knowledge of working with the dotnet framework in the past just comes into play more and more you yeah. know, you you're not having to start over and relearn everything anew well uh, to carl i did want to mention uh that we we're doing some weekend classes now which uh which have actually been more successful than I, you know, I'm a victim of my own success there in some right. ways because uh, I, I have a pretty busy schedule through the week. And sure. uh, I decided, you know what, I'm going to take some of our three day classes like jQuery, MVC, and CSLA yeah. and run those over Saturday and Sunday yeah. in a two day format. Uh, and, you know, they're extended hours. We start at eight in the morning and go till about 6.30 at night and I buy the students dinner. We all go out to dinner on Saturday night. Yeah. 
And uh, by net, I sold everyone save one class. So, wow. Uh, Uh-oh. So now I'm working, you know. Seven uh, days a week. Seven days a week. Very long weekends. Yeah. Right. Congratulations. How Excellent. clever for you. That's actually was a lot of fun. Russ Festino and I used to do the VBNet Lost Weekend, and we had so much success with that because people work, and that this is the only time right. they can do it. Well, and that's actually what gave me the idea. I call I call these Lost Weekend classes oh, very good. as well. Since you're, <laughs> since you're not doing Lost Weekends anymore. No, I'm, I'm, I've hung up name. the training thing. Yeah. As soon as I realized that, uh, well, training for me was great. And after 9-11, you know, it just really tanked. And I had a couple of months where, you know, paying the mortgage was a, a, a challenge, right. seriously. So it ran hot and cold. And uh, the .NET Rocks thing was coming and people seemed like they wanted to advertise. Mm-hmm. So we just went after advertisers. Right. And it got to a certain point where it was like, yep, this is what I do now. Right. And, and I, I was very lucky after 9-11 that uh, I, I have a lot of government contracts. Yeah, and, contracting uh, was fine. Yeah, and yeah, contracting was fine. But even the training, I have uh, contracts with, with government agencies. Okay, right, and, uh, right. You know, they, they still continued to spend money um, yeah. after everything slowed down. Yep. So that was good. Well, man, it's so great catching up with you. Oh, it was awesome to see you guys. Oh, I wanted to mention too, if you if you mentioned that you heard about our weekend classes on .NET Rocks, the Lost Weekends, the Lost Weekends, I'll give you five hundred bucks off. Yeah, wow. nice. Yeah. All right, well, let's give a big hand, Mark Dunn. Thank you. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a